Welcome to Spin It On Sports, where we take a look at athletes that have found a way to spin life in their direction. We explore their personal journeys, taking a closer look into how they've pivoted their career as a professional athlete or coach into another existence. Whether it be entrepreneurship, philanthropy, technology, coaching, ownership, leadership, or finding ways to give back to the next generation, these acclaimed individuals have leveraged invaluable lessons learned from their playing or coaching days and are now making a positive impact and serve as an inspiration to many. Spin It On Sports provides a raw and unfiltered platform to bring you their stories of perseverance, overcoming obstacles, and the keys to their newfound success. On today's episode of Spin It On Sports, I'll be speaking with five-time Pro Bowler and four-time All-Pro NFL legend, Jared Allen. Most know Jared for his tenacity on the field, his relentless work ethic, his larger-than-life personality, and of course, his signature mullet, but there is so much more to Jared. Off the field, he's gone on to be a highly successful entrepreneur and made headlines when he formed an all-pro curling team and set his sights on the Olympics. Although Jared's biggest impact has come in the form of helping critically injured United States military veterans, off the field, he's gone on to be a highly successful entrepreneur and made headlines when he formed an all-pro curling team and set his sights on the Olympics. Although Jared's biggest impact has come in the form of helping critically injured United States military veterans. While Allen was one of the best defensive ends to ever do it and had an illustrious 12-year NFL career, his journey wasn't always smooth sailing, and definitely he had his fair share of challenges along the way. On today's episode, we'll find out how Jared was able to overcome multiple bouts with the law and found a way to spin his life in an amazing direction which ultimately led to becoming a Hall of Fame finalist, a devout husband, and a father, a man that would change the lives of so many veterans along the way. I'm so excited to speak today. Hey, Jared. Welcome to the show. We're so, so glad that you were able to make it. So here's kind of some of the things that I was gathering about you. So I have four kids. Okay, my youngest is 12. My oldest is 27. You declare at eight years old, you want to be a football player. Yes. When did it actually get real where you're like, I'm doing this and that's it? That's, I, I never had any other goal. I had never had a plan in life. I put all my, I don't, I listen, I tell kids all the time. I don't recommend it. I encourage <laughs> my kids to you know do, do whatever they want to do. I put every single egg in that basket. I quit playing baseball. I was a really, really good baseball player. And I quit playing baseball when I was like in seventh grade, quit running track, quit doing everything except football. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that was, it was always my goal. There was no other I was like, dude, I heard a story about Dick Buckus. Dick Buckus supposedly, when he, went to, when he got to Ohio State, they told him, like, like, you know, you have to sign up for classes. And he said, I didn't come here to go to class. I came here to play ball. So uh, that was that was my, my whole my mindset was just ball, 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 ball. And uh, it worked out. Like I said, I don't recommend it for people. Uh, my path ended up working out okay. So, Jared, one of the things that I, I noticed about you, and, and I actually spent quite a bit of time myself, just because I really like to know the personality. And I, I love, kind of, I mean, the little, the, your daughters are beautiful. They're so, oh, thank you so they're much. so cute. But I like to really kind of get into depth and like understand your personality. And the one thing that I really love about you, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, but one of the things I love about you is a lot of times when athletes leave, when they retire or there's a, an injury or it's a forced leave, they lose their identity and they really kind of spiral into a depression or into maybe just a shell and trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And the thing I love about you is number one, you're freaking hysterical. Okay. <laughs> number one, number two, like you just have such a great personality and you're so open and you're so honest and authentic. Has it always been like that? Yeah. You know, it's, I think if you're trying to live double lives, I mean, come on, that's gotta be, that's gotta be taxing. So, uh, like I said, I grew up on a horse ranch, right? I grew up, like, like my dad was my biggest hero. My grandfather's, actually, my grandpa was my biggest hero. My dad was probably second. So I, I always grew up with the examples of hard work. You know, we went through tough times, just as everybody has. You know, parents got divorced. Dad worked three jobs, all that stuff. Uh, my mom and stepdad, you know, they're, they're phenomenal in their life. So I've always had phenomenal role models on how to work, right? Like, you know, you get what you want by working and that nothing ever comes easy. And so for me... I think it's just always been easier to be authentic. It's too hard to be something you're not. And even I think everybody, you go through, I mean, every kid, you try to find your path, right? Yeah, I obviously, growing up on a ranch, I rebelled, right? I, I, you know, all of a sudden you want to be whatever the hip hop genre is. You know, I, I used to have to like, you know, listen to country at home and listen to all the, you know, I had like a two short tape hidden in my backpack so I could put it in my Walkman when I went to school. Did you have really awesome um, overalls that you didn't wear a shirt under and a bandana? No, see, I was a farmer, right? So that was, <laughs> I, oh, actually, I did have overalls, so, but I had, I had like the short, you remember like the short alls with one strap down? Yeah, yeah. It was cool. So yeah, I rocked that, but uh, 
But then, you know, we went through ebbs and flows of having money to being super broke. So it was like, I remember going to school and my dad's like, hey, I can get you a pair of sweats. And I'm like, ah, tight. <laughs> so you figure out how to, Jinkos, Jinkos were like the hot item, right? I had to try to figure out how to get Jinkos back in the day. It was oh my, my dad gosh. was funny. He'd take me to the Western store, buy me, you know, whatever, he'd fit $500 on boots, hats. If I would ask my dad for a pair of Jinkos, I had to manipulate my mom to get that. My dad would be like, you ever get that crap sag in your pants? So, but I guess <laughs> right? my point to that is like, you know, everybody, you go through, you go through your identity phases, right? But you always come back to what, what you're raised on and what your roots are. My roots were, take, you take the horses and, the, and that stuff out of it. It, it, was, it was hard work. It was honesty. It was, you know, kind of like, you know, my dad and my mom both big on, you know, kind of self-evaluate, you know, it's like my dad never pulled punches and, and just, it was what it was. And, uh, you, if you want something, go get it. That's why when I said I was eight years old, you know, most parents are like, okay, Johnny, go to school, do whatever. My dad dropped, dropped me off at the gate, which is about a mile from the gate to up to the house. And I'd have to run it every night. I'd come home for practice. I'd run it. Uh, it was eat, sleep, drink it until you achieve it. And so that's kind of, that's just how I grew up. And that was, so that was the, uh, the mindset I always had. I always felt like the underdog. So again, it was like creating these personas in your mind is only going to make you, it's only going to cloud your judge, right? It's only going to, it's only going to distract you. So for me, authenticity is all I ever had. <laughs> so. and, and I love the fact you still, you still write, huh? Yeah. You know what? It's been now, now my kids are getting to this age. I've actually, uh, you know, we, we, my dad's coming up this way and, and I got rid of the horses. My kids want to start riding now. And uh, so I'm in the process of, uh, there's some there's some horse sales this week and I got to take a cup, peek a look at. So Yeah, now you're going to be poor. You're going to be back, super yeah, duper poor. That, right? So I, I, we, we moved, bounced around quite a bit. So, you know, it wasn't conducive for running horses. Now we're a little more stable. And uh, like I said, now the kids want to do it. That's it, it, what you learn, right? Whatever right. your kids are into, that's what you end up having to be into because that's what you spend all your time doing. I just try to push them to the stuff I like to do. Right. And uh, that way we can all share it together. Plus, for just for because you're going to come back to me 300 times for all this advice. I know you will. When, <laughs> I promise you. I'll give you myself. When your daughters get horses, there's no boys. Yes. that's So that's it's the best a, thing ever in the entire world. There's no time. Even yeah, we choose that horse over the boy anytime. That's my, my, mine are seven and 10. So I'm, I'm hoping I still got some more years with that, but, uh, um, 10 more years at least. Yeah, at least. Right. <laughs> and, uh, my plan is, you know, they're so far their daddy's bros. That's why uh, my wife and I always joke, like, gotta have the cool house. You gotta have all the fun stuff to do. And yes. that way everybody comes here. We can, we can keep And You know, I know people say like, Oh, helicopter pairing is bad. Absolutely not. I'm like, <laughs> Heck I'm, no. I'm like Marine One, just hovering. Just <laughs> exactly. Hovering. You, you can have some freedom, but dad's always going to know where you're at. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, you know, my oldest, my oldest daughter's 27. The other one's 26. I was at every prom, every yeah. single prom. We were the after party, every single one. We were the breakfast party, every single one. Yep. I don't helicopter. I don't care. That's fine. It's no, either I, that kind of therapy or another kind of therapy. Right. Like, I think I'd rather <laughs> have my kids be like, man, my parents were way too involved. And right. Then, you know, you see some of these. You know, that just aren't there. And we had friends that way growing up, right? You know, right. Parents are down in Cabo every week and they're all, and to be honest, they're all losers now. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's it, true. It, it is what it is. I read a cool stat one time that said uh, just by having two parents involved in a kid's life, that kid has 70% chance less, uh, has a 70% less chance of being in poverty. It, it didn't say you were, even if you were a good parent, it was just like being present is like the most important thing in kids' lives. So I've always taken that hard. And that goes back to like when you see guys, you know, that leave leave the sport and they have that identity crisis right and that's really what it is you know it's unfortunate a lot of athletes have an identity crisis and that leads to depression abuse you know whatever the the after side of that is but again my, i mean that was you know how i grew up with 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 faith was our number one thing we were raised as, as as you know strong christian family not not to say that you know i was always practicing i just i always I, yeah i always joked that i was on the heart rate monitor but that's where i found my identity right my identity through christ my identity is you know, in my, with my family, my kids. And I understood from, I've understood since I was young that even if like I played 15 years in the league, right, that's a long, long career. That's still such a short span of your life. So if you, if you, if this is who you are, I mean, it's a part of who I am, right? Because it was great, but that, that can't be all you are. And it can't be all that you're about. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just always knew like if I were to die and that's the only, only thing people talked about, I probably didn't have a significant life. And so, so that's I love, I love that you say that. Cause you know, it's funny that you say that Jared, because my grandmother and grandfather were married 62 years and the hard, like hard, hard, hard life. Like the, maybe the last 20 years was comfortable or about 30 yeah. years or whatever, but they had a hard life. They, they immigrated, no education, like, and they built up a ton. They were amazing, amazing people. But I remember my, so my father drowned when I was three. Ooh. 
and it caused obviously of course caused massive hardship and they went through a time where my grandfather was you know pretty sad and pretty depressed and you know angry and everything else but they didn't really speak for three years like really they didn't really speak for three years he was completely checked out she was focusing on the kids etc etc and I remember when my grandmother was dying I remember I was thinking 62 years good god I've only been married like six and I want to choke him that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast um, so so like a couch I, session that's a, that's that, a I'm like, yeah, maybe you should come session. over bring the horses <laughs> bring the girls so it was actually really funny because because I was we were talking about this and she goes Stephanie she goes if you can count 10% of your marriage out she goes look at the other 90% the building the loving the growing and everything else and I, I stopped for a second and I was like gosh 62 years is so long and if you think of six years just being really bad, whatever, maybe it's a year here, maybe it's three over here, maybe it's one. The way she said it, Jared, is in such a loving, kind way to my grandfather. Yeah. Focus on God first, focus on the kids next, and you guys will come together and apart and together and apart. But when you look back at the marriage as a whole and 10% was bad, that's an A. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's I, like parenting, right? I always say it's a 90-10 rule. 90% of it's amazing. 10% you want to just strangle, you know, everybody. There's no handbooks with it. That's... And that's what the important thing is. And that's what, you know, all my friends, they get married and, and, and when I, when you're getting married, that's why, you know, both my wife and I, you never, we met, you know, totally organically. And it was what, you know, I, I told myself I was, I got, we got married later in life. Right. And, um, just because I, I value the sanctity of marriage so much, I knew that, you know, if you're not, if you're not mentally stable to, to do it, don't just don't do it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, and you know, you go through, you know, you talk with our pastors and stuff before we got married. And that's, that's what he said. It's like, you know, you have to have, it's just like anything in life, right? Accountability to something other than yourself because every yourself will let yourself down 99.9%. Constantly, consistently. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So, and, and that's, you know, that's with life, right? So, you know, I, I tell people, I don't remember Bible be told people, my, my accountability happens to be to Christ. It, it's not, it's not that for everybody. Uh, I wish it was, but it's not, but I just encourage people in general to have, I have an identity outside of whatever it is you do. Right. Because that fades, right? You know, and um, and so and to have personal accountability to somebody, you know, again, like you said, if it's to your wife and she lets you down, now now you spiral. Or if it's to your yeah. husband and they let you down, now you spiral. Even your kids, right? I encourage my kids, like, God should be first. Because, you know, if mom and dad ever fail you, that can derail your life. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, That's I think, so I think it's perspective. And, and you, know, you obviously get that with age and you get that with, you know, having good people around you. Um, and it's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate that, you know, society, especially when you look at social media now, right? It's this, it's this narcissistic me, 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 me. And that leads over to, and, and unfortunately athletes, you know, I, I'll speak to athletes because that's what I know is that's what you fall into. You fall into that, that societal, that they, they build you up, build you up, build you up and you're up here and we don't, when they don't need you anymore, it's a, it's a long fall. I think, yeah. And I think I just understood that. I think, um, you know, I was able to learn from my ebbs and flows in life. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're, you're falling. I, you know, that's what I tell my kids too. It's like failure is only failure if you don't learn from it. So um, I'd be like careful because she has a mean right hook. So yeah, I'd be really does. careful. Yes, She's got a mean right hook. <laughs> <laughs> my little one, I was messing with my little one uh, the other day and they're, they're, they do, they're in karate, which is awesome. And uh, I was messing with her, telling her her karate didn't work. And she, she placed the front kick in the wrong spot for a dude and that, it worked. <laughs> Love it. And for her to see her dad go down gave her a ton of confidence. She's like, I got this. Oh, they beat up on me all the time. I'm telling you, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I'm big, but I tell them like, I got a bad back. I'm, you know, it just, that's soft. Right. You're like, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Take <laughs> it easy. Mess. Take it easy. So tell me about the most pivotal decision thing that happened to you, whatever it is. It could be a decision. It could be a choice. It could be, it could be anything before the NFL. What was oh, the biggest the NFL, thing? Uh, man, before the NFL. My goodness, I, that's that's a tough one because before the NFL, my only goal was uh, to get to the NFL. <laughs> so, that was it. No, I said, I, I, you know, again, you know, I, my parents, my parents were divorced, ebbs and flows in life. I was a punk kid, always getting in trouble. But I've always, by the grace of God, had love in my family. Right, like my dad, my mom, my stepdad always been there for me and i've always had the right people around me coaches and everybody to pull me through when i but i guess so I, I guess the best decision that i made i didn't even really make it was having quality people around me and so that that's led to the the success and even even in older life and i think that's so huge is to have people around you that will tell you the truth you know and, and that's 
again, I think, you know, not having yes people and not having, my dad was not afraid to tune me up and then, you know, give me a hug right afterwards and tell me you love me. So <laughs> I think it's just, it's, it's again, it's accountability factor having good people around you. So I think for, for our listeners, I mean, one of the things, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but this is the biggest thing that I say over and over again. So these athletes, they have tons of yes people around when they it's, finally make it. And they, they really make it or they're, they're, you know, reasonably successful. They have cousins and aunts and uncles and all kinds of people, you know, great friends to do all of their things for them. And people just tell them yes over and over and over again. And it's about accountability and it's about structure and it's about the people that don't care about what you have, but they really want you to succeed. And so oftentimes, oftentimes, Jared, I say no. So people get blown away because I'll have an athlete come to me or an agent come to me and I'll sit down and I'll meet with them and I'll be like, so, I mean, and I'm very, I'm very gracious all the time because just knowing another human who's going through crisis or yeah. trauma or whatever it is, I'm very empathetic, but I'll say no. And I say no 80% of the time. And you see this giant dude just stand up and he goes, wait, what, what, wait, well, I'm sorry, what? And I'm like, yeah, no, you need therapy before me, or you need coaching before me, or you need, you need something before me because I'm not super easy and nice. And I'm not going to just tell you, we're going to have a measurement of success. And they're, you should see, they don't know how to react. They're looking at their agent or their wife and they're like, what's going on? What is well, this? That's, that's the thing. They, I mean, since they were little, they've never been told that, right? That's it's, right. It's, they, you, get, you get passed through. And, and to be honest, I mean, like I said, I mean, I've had to have the rug pulled out for me a couple of times in my life as well. I mean, that's because you do, you get on this path of, it, I don't want to call it, it borderline recklessness, right? It's, it's right. usually, I would say majority of people, it's, it's not malicious. Right. It's just, it's no, just for ignorant. sure. It's ignorance. It's having dumb fun. It's this meat, I just call it a meat stick way of thinking, right? You're, you're focused yeah. on whatever it is, the goal that you're trying to get to. And you don't really notice all the other stuff because you don't have people. You've never had to be accountable outside of what you have to do on as your profession. Um, no, and it's great because right. those, those people can help you focus solely on your possession or your profession, but it doesn't help you in life, you know, to, cause that's not the real world. Right. So I, I, one of those guys, like once I read something, see something, hear something, I, I can't forget it. And, uh, when I was getting married, our, our, our pastor would doing our you know, premarital counseling, he said, it's the two biggest decisions anybody will ever make in their life, right? It's one, decide whether or not to follow Christ and B, who you marry. Cause you're either going to marry somebody that is going to be, that's going to help you grow, right? That's going to lift you up or what I call a boat anchor. And there's no in between, right? You're either, you're someone, you're either helping each other up or you're holding each other down. And he, he said, those are the two decisions that matter most in life. And even if you take the religious aspect out of it and just look at even the marriage aspect out of it, it's who you surround yourself with, right? And that's, I think, you know, as I can look back at my life and, you know, yeah, I laugh, you know, me and my best friend in the world, we laugh, we're like, well, we probably shouldn't have known each other when we were younger. That was a bad decision. <laughs> You're like, that was <laughs> but, the bad decision, Steph. <laughs> that, was, that was a bad decision right there. Hanging out with the friends I hung out with. And I'm still friends with them today. So that's probably a worst decision. But it's about having authentic people around you, right? And I think it's, it's hard. And that is an extremely hard lesson to learn unless you have people in influential roles in your life that are willing to to tell you no that are willing to you know bust your chops if you need it and and pull you back down and lucky for me i've, I've always had that in my life so i want to ask you a question i did no research on this because i wanted it to be super authentic so you can reach their phone and pop me or you can be like ah <laughs> so did you have two or three duis uh, and that two, happened when you were playing yep, two, two, in five, yep. In five months apart. Yep. And so that was, again, that was a rough batch, right? Where you have to deal with it. And, and so for me, again, having the right people in my life, I went and said, you know what, this is a bad pattern, right? You know, did I, did I think I had an issue? No. It was like, do I have being, was I young and dumb and with, you know, too much money in my pocket, acting reckless, 100%. And, but I said to myself, I said, this isn't a path you need to be on. Right. And so I went, I was like, screw it. I'm going to go to these outpatient classes. I'm going to figure out what, what life looks like for me. Right. Like, and so, yeah, I went in and talked with the chiefs and, and we had great dialogue. And that's the thing I had, I had Don Patterson when I got into chiefs was phenomenal. Right. So many guys, you know, coming in and getting in trouble in, in, in college and stuff. And so problems I had, I had issues in college, right. Where we'd gotten, you know, we drink and with their possessions or parties at the house, you know, salt, you know, you're just, you're, everything was revolved around like, it was yep. like Friday night lights, right. Play hard, work hard. And, and that was just kind of what we did. We didn't know we were hurting anybody or, or breaking the law. So happened. And that's, um, that's kind of, that's, that's kind it, of the crap thing for our kids, because even though you had a major consequence and, and it was terrible and it was in the limelight and you're such a great guy, Jared, imagine what they're going to have to go through. Like, imagine like that one little tiny thing. <laughs> yeah. Done. 
it's just yeah it's it's terrible it's so it's and that's the thing it's like so again at times you don't have the right people around you right at times you don't have you know certain things it checks and balances and that's what life's really about and so but luckily i had resources and i got to a point where i was like this is going down a path that is super bad so let's let's use these resources and see where you're at in life right and so that's, that's what i did and, and, and i i, I Again, being being authentic and being just real. I mean, I had to face the music, and I went and did it, and I had tough conversations with people. I mean, my best friend died from drinking and driving growing up when I was in high school, and that was the worst phone call I ever had to make to his parents. Right, knowing that I had to come across the ticker that I got arrested it was the worst phone call I ever had to make. And I took the lashings I had to take. Right, and it was what it was. I had to talk to my grandfather, who was my hero. He basically told me, "Quit effing up." He didn't bring you know our last name through all these wars for uh, for me to screw it up. So yeah, so it was one of those like take a long hard look in the mirror and, and do some growing up. Realize, listen, you can't be young and dumb forever. And you know, and I learned some valuable life skills. I learned some valuable self reflection skills, right? And I was able to put all these things into a toolbox to to help me in life. And and, that, and I honestly believe it made me a better you know husband, better father, better you know Christian. Uh, just a better human being. And so, again, in, in the moment, you want to run from those mistakes, right? In the moment, they're really embarrassing. And even still now, you have people like, oh, white people bring stuff up 15, 20 years ago. And it's like, it is what it is. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it is what it is for me because I've already dealt with it. You know, heck, they're all expunged. It is so, but it's one of those things that, you know, unless, unless that rug gets pulled out sometimes, your checks and balances are off. So, yeah, it was, that was, that was, it was, that was, that's probably the most pivotal point in my life because that was at those crossroads of, okay, let's A, find out if you have an issue, right? Address that. B, okay, so it's not an issue, then you're just dumb and you're an idiot and you need to grow up and you have a responsibility. Whether I wanted, I think for me, I just, I didn't really want to be a role model. I had no desire to be a role model to other people just because I didn't grow up with like athletes as role models. That right there is a separating factor because, because that's, why our kids and, and obviously no disrespect to you whatsoever. Okay. But like, that's why our kids are so crazy about athletes because of, of that oh, yeah. instead of having it at home or having it with God, like you said, hundred percent. And, and that, but, but I also realized like whether I want to or not, that's I'm right. in that position. Yes. Right. And there's little kids having my Jersey and the other stuff like that. And what kind of, what kind of human being are you? Right. And that's, and that's what it came down to. And my best friend's dad, he was our, our pastor growing up and, and again, there's another, thing like I said you forget I called him you know when this happened and we talked he said Jerry here's the deal I know you he said what what are you if you claim to be a Christian if you claim to be this then stand on the fundamentals of, of, of who you are if you're an asshole right. be an asshole that, that, that that's fine but he said let me tell you something the world has enough assholes we need more moral heroes and so when your when your pastor's cussing at you you know that it's time <laughs> to get straight Jared you're so, like yeah. no more playing it's, around I, I, so I, that's why I tell people and that's why you know I, I don't you know I don't have a problem putting it up I was I've always been honest with people and and I said you know me I was a maturity issue but I'm a lucky one right because there are a lot of guys with substance abuse issues there's a lot of guys that go and, and that don't handle that right I was fortunate enough to realize that mine was a maturity issue and that I had, I had to basically realize that it just, it just can't be this meat stick you know, way of living and playing ball, playing ball, playing ball, where you actually have a social responsibility you know, to yourself, to your community, to your team, because like you said, like it or not, you're in an influential role. And so, and so that was it, man. So that, that's kind of, again, I had the right people around me to say, hey, it's time to, uh, it's, it's time to check yourself and, and figure out who you want to be as a man. And, and then, and that, and that's where it went. And I, I tell you what, I look back at, at the challenges in my life through, through all that. I, was, I mean, I was a knucklehead growing up. I, I'm saying I grew up. It took me to tell I was 26 to actually grow up. And even then I probably had some back. Your wife's in the back going, wait, Jared, it's actually 36. <laughs> she was like, she was like a 29. You were still a pain in the ass. Um, that's really awesome. Uh, so, so one uh, of the things that, that I wanted to clarify with you, and I wanted to kind of see how you felt on it before we move on to Wounded Warriors is, is that a lot of times when people come on, the, we have a podcast that's Spin It, which is obstacles and opportunities. We started doing Spin It on sports because of exactly what you just said. There are those jerks that are just like, hey, this is what it is. And then there's those people like you that have real life lessons to share. So when I bring up the obstacle to the athlete, it's to inspire and impact and show growth that people can actually really do do it and you hold these people on this massive huge pedestal but they've gone through things and look at who they are now 100 i think that's and that's the problem right and it's, and it's obviously and that's I, I used to laugh in, in the locker room because you know you'd get media training and it'd be, you'd tell you one thing 
And I kind of always buck that because so many people sound so scripted and unauthentic. And then what happens is, is you don't have that relationship with media, right? So if you do mess up, you get That's pounded, right. right? To where at least I had, I, mean, I was always cool with people. I answered the questions. It is. Like I said, you kind of you, you take it for what it is. You learn from it, then you can give your message out. But that's but that's life. I think that's the biggest thing people need to learn. Like athletes, celebrities, whatever, musicians. Like we're all human. At the end of the day, when we die, it doesn't. None of this comes. God's not going to be like, well, I was a bigger fan of Denzel, so he's in. Like it, it doesn't work that way. And so I think I think with you know for me to realize that I'm in this position, you need to accept it, own it, and and live up to it. It really is that, that thing that, yeah, I am human. You know, we are a society of second chances if you grow from it, right? We're a society of third chances if you show improvement. Um, and I think that's what life is about. I think life is about constantly improving. You know, yeah, regrets are, it is what it is. My agent always said, you know, we have eyes in the front of our head, not the back, so we look forward, not in the past. You know, you learn from all the mistakes. You Incredible. And the other thing is, too, um, is, you know, like I tell my little one who's 12, who's a huge, huge, huge athlete. He plays everything and he plays it well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, what does sorry mean to you? Because I'm sorry is a change of behavior. If you do it twice, it's a pattern. And Right, and, exactly. And that's that's what we try to yeah. say as well. It's, it's action, right? It's that whole thing, you know, speak so loud I can't hear what that's you're saying. That's right. Uh, I'm going to cut that segment so and put it in his room and keep playing. <laughs> Alexa, play Jared. Yeah. Alexa, Alexa, please, Jared. <laughs> and I got that from a coach. That was a D-line coach that used to tell us that, right? It had nothing to do with fame. It was just more talk about, you know, don't tell me what you want to do. Right. Show me. So there's so many lessons you can take. And I think that's what separates people is the ability to apply those lessons outside of the realm of football, right? Outside of the realm of the athlete. You, you, and on all the athletes I know that are, that, are, that are doing just fine with retirement and all that stuff, they're just genuinely good people, right? They're genuinely, they're genuinely happy. They don't have the drama. They don't have... You, you know, they've, they've figured out that balance in life. And you see it a lot in the military too, right? I mean, guys come back and they're completely, they're completely whacked. And the ones that make it who have done some crazy things, they understand how to compartment. Not that, not that compartmentalization is always the best tool, but they understand how to compartmentalize their life and how to deal with, okay, if this was war, you know, I have to deal with this, right? But when I come home, this is a whole separate part of my family. This was traumatic and this is crazy. And I'll never even express to think I know what those guys go through. But my buddies that have been through it and that have come back and have gone on to live successful lives, they have a mental fortitude that is that is rare. And, I, and, and again, that's, that's not everybody. And, and I think the biggest thing is for me as well is, don't be afraid to seek help, right? Like people that, and I'm not talking just from therapy, but ask right. questions. Like, you know, I think so many people get afraid to ask questions because they, they don't want to, they want, everybody wants to think they know it all. And that was one thing my dad always instilled in us, you know, he was never afraid to cry, never afraid to, to do it. So it wasn't that like, hey, grow tough, man, don't cry. You know, don't afraid for your feelings. Uh, he would always tell us, hey, you want to come talk to me man to man, we can hash it out and we'll believe the father son stuff, you know, alone and we can just, you know, get after it. And so it was always encouraged, right? It was always encouraged to get it off your chest. Let's, let's deal with the issue now and not let it compound. And I think, unfortunately, you know, so many people in our, in our line of work, they just, they let things, they let things compound until it becomes a demon that they can't, they can't get rid of. So it's unfortunate, it, it, you know, and, uh, and hopefully enough guys will, will figure it out. So one of the things, as we were talking about before the show, so I do I have three lines of business. So first is business consulting, and we do that globally. Um, second is high performance impact coaching. So not like the lay on my couch and let me tell you how great you are, but the actual <laughs> one we actually have a measurement of success when we get to that, those points, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then crisis. And one of the things that, and by the way, crisis, not crisis communication. So not like getting you out to media and then spinning Jared's story, but yeah. making sure that we have the resources here in discernment. So Jared's family doesn't have to go through it. It's, it's a yeah. private matter. You still have all the consequences. You still have all of the stuff, but you don't have a camera and you and your wife and your baby's, you know, face constantly. Well, yeah, it's, it's a self accountability, exactly. right? Exactly. And some of you want to spin it to where it'd be, oh, it's when the media stops talking about it, it goes away. It doesn't, that's not, not how that at works. all for certain. So, so one of the things I'm really passionate about is when my athletes, when they get done with the NFL, NHL, NBA, whatever it is, they actually have another life. And so what is that life? And yeah. I get so frustrated because guys who are not you, who don't have this amazing, amazing resources around them, parents and friends and family that really want you, your family, your wife and your children to do well they get taken advantage of. So because because oh, yeah. they have a pocketbook and they want to start a business, like Jared, go start a business or Jared, go start a foundation. How did you how did you choose Wounded Warriors? Tell me about that. So for me, I started doing work in Kansas City with juvenile diabetes, okay. JDRF, right? And um, 
great, great people there. And one of the ladies that got me involved in that, Yvonne Miller, still on our, she's on our board at our foundation. And I'm gonna be honest, she encouraged me to start a fund, right? The foundation side was, was stuff, start a fund. So I went to Iraq, all right, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I went to uh, Iraq and uh, Kuwait back in 2009 on a USO tour. And just like I said, my grandfather's and my whole family's in the military. And so when I came back, I just, I knew I wanted to do something to give back, right? And I had a buddy in the Marine, or in the Army, sorry, who told me about the gap in adaptive housing, you know, a few years before that. And I just, you know, wasn't at a spot in my, my mind to want to like, go down that road. But when I came back, I just, I just knew I wanted to do something. So we, so we picked up that torch. We learned about the gap in adaptive housing and understood that, you know, unfortunately where our men and women come home wounded, you know, not just mentally, physically, that they don't, they don't have the resources that they need to, to, to live the life that they need. You know, we've had, we've had recipients that have been placed in upstairs that are doubly amputees above the knee, wheelchair bound, placed in upstairs apartments with no elevators. So, I mean, they're literally having to, they're either on their prosthetics going upstairs, you know, there's people that have to live in the basement of their, of their fellow families' homes. And then you, you know, you're taking these alpha males and females and you're literally, you're taking away their independence and their freedom. So we, we, we started plugging away and, you know, we obviously had our ebbs and flows and that and just learning that process. And now we've been doing this for over 10 years and, um, we just gave away our like 26th home right before Christmas. We got like seven more we're building. So we have a great, great organization, great, great group of people. And I keep it really small and tight. Our partners, if you're not in it for the right reason, I have no business. I don't, I don't care how much money you have. And if, if it's not for the right reasons, we don't, we don't chase it. So, uh, so that's how I got, that's how I got started with that. And it's just been, it's just been our passion. It's just been what we do. And it's, and it's, it showed me more. I mean, I, I didn't even realize the impact we would have on some of these people's lives, you know, watching them get married, have kids after this and really creating a home, you know, for themselves and their families and, and to see the joy brought back to their, their life. And, you know, we had one uh, recipient tell me his dad would say every time he was having a bad day, he would drive him over to the house. And I didn't really under, fully understand at the time. He was just like, this is his independence. And, and that's what, you know, when I first started, I didn't even realize that's what we were giving back. And um, so it's been, it's been phenomenal. And it's just, it, you know, it's kind of seamless now. But I tell you what, every time we give a house away, it, it brings you right back to the first one. And it, it, it really makes you uh, appreciate how, how easy we have life, uh, honestly. Honestly, it's crazy what's going on in the world right now. And, and, and you think about, you know, how easy we have life to be able to get up, have our cup of coffee, gripe, complain about anything we want to do. And I think that's why I always had perspective for my grandfather. I always knew the men, the men and women of the military were allowed me to play a sport for a living. So I never really took myself that serious. And I realized, like, man, it's, I play a game for a living. I mean, I mean, this is, with all of our problems, it is still the greatest country in the world because we have the freedom generally to do whatever we want to do. If you will work hard enough, you can achieve the most success in the world that you want. So yeah, so that's kind of what I what I did, and it just happened to be a natural fit with athletes and you know military and the mutual respect we have for each other, and then being an outdoors, you know, with hunting and fishing and, and shooting and all that stuff. I don't really fish as much as I I'm up more hunting and fishing. And that's a whole other story. I'm, I'm a terrible fisherman. I know how to fish. I like like fish I, or I, like fly fish. Like which one? Fly fish. It doesn't Anything matter. with a hook. I, I will fish all day, all night. I can fish. I have the worst luck fishing. I don't catch any thing it's literally an ongoing joke from a childhood that we could be at the trout farm and everybody would catch fish oh my bait. god that's hysterical. uh we could use the same bait one of my one of my first dates i went on with my wife we were fishing and she out fishing she caught she's never fished before and we're out fly fishing and she uh she caught way more fish than that's me. so um, funny yeah it's like me and fishing it's just it's just uh I've, I've been with guides on chartered boats and they're like we've never not caught catch fish and we don't catch. So fish. I bet your friends never invite you anymore because you're like the worst, like banana on the boat. Oh yeah, it's like oh, get get this guy off the boat. Get this guy off the boat. Although we crushed it this year in Tahoe, we crushed it on that. Awesome, on the lake. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, fishing and me. I just think I just think the hunting where I got a little more expertise. So there you um, go. I just we just got back from Montana. We were there for two weeks and um, the wildlife, and we didn't get a lot of time to spend outside because it was 26 below. Oh, Other yeah. than that, it was phenomenal. Uh, Montana's one of my favorite places on earth. If it wasn't for those winters, that's where we'd be living. We tried to stick it out in Minnesota at one point. And uh, I tell you what, at minus anything. No, same. I'm good. I, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need it. I don't want it. But Montana, other than that, is my one of my favorite places. That's on awesome. Earth. So, so Jared, when you started, I mean, obviously you're an athlete, you're, you're, you're so smart. You're so well-grounded. You have this amazing family around you. Did the NFL teach you anything about starting this venture? Wounded warriors? Did it, did it teach you any business aspects of anything? No, no. I, so they did trust me. There's plenty of resources right. out there for that, right? 
like you can go to catalog school, you can do all these little internships. I never did. They don't really have a foundation one. I've, I've pushed for that. They might now, but when I was there, they didn't have anything about nonprofits. I've, I've asked the PA when I was playing and stuff. I said, yeah, you guys should do a class. Everybody starts a nonprofit. You guys want everybody to be involved in a charity. Maybe you should teach people how to run a nonprofit and a charity. It's a lot harder than you think, right? To be an actual 501c3 and, and it's you know, no joke. all that. That's a, whole, that, that's a whole nother yeah, bag of tricks to go down. So that is something that I, I wish they would give give more tutelage on. But for me, as far as business-wise, I think I just, you know, I, I own businesses and, and we have them, but I've always, like I said, I've always, I, I'm smart enough to know I'm not smart enough, if yeah. that makes sense. And so I've always left on the idea guy. And then I just find the people that will implement that idea. And I'm also one of those guys that I'm never going to like go, if it doesn't work, I'm going to cut my loss early. I love it. <laughs> Just I get love out. it. Get out. And let, let's not let this thing compound. So that, and again, I've just, I've just been lucky uh, to meet a lot of really good people. I think that's one thing people in the NFL don't do. Their biggest resource you have is networking while you are in the NFL. People think it is cool that you are in the NFL, whether you're a practice squad guy or you're Peyton Manning, you have opportunities. So when I was younger, I used to, you know, go to all the events that we had to go to with sponsors and stuff, get business cards, send an email, you know, uh, stay in contact with people here and there. And just, and lucky for me, my, my career grew. And, and uh, so financially I was able to, you know, to sustain for myself, but I now know enough people. I, I allow them to them. If I ever had to go back to work, it's easy to go get a six figure job because you know the right people. So wait, you're, so you're um, looking for a job so I could hire you? No, no, no. <laughs> Send no, me your resume. Not, not Send me your resume, Jerry. <laughs> not fishing. That's actually a funny thing. That's actually a funny thing is uh, I was just on a committee to help find a uh, head football coach for our, for our school. And I was, my wife was giving me a hard time and laughing about it because she was like, why aren't you coach? And I was like, I, I'm, just, my kid, like, I'm not ready to give up Tahoe in the summers. I'm, I'm not ready to put that much time and effort in away from the family. And uh, I was looking at the requirements and I'm like, I don't even meet the requirements. I don't have a college degree. Uh, I have a criminal record. I, th I think they, I, I'm going to guess they may let that slide. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it guess. I'm just going to see. Like, I don't, I don't meet the criteria. I don't meet the criteria. I should say I had a criminal That's record. That's hysterical. Um, and so it's, and it's one of the, it was, it was a funny joke, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, but I was thinking that I was reading all these resumes. I was like, man, I don't even know that I could type up a resume right now. I mean, obviously I could Google it, YouTube and, and, and work my way through it, but I'm like, never had to. I hope I don't have to. So, I, th I think you'll be okay. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think yeah. you'll, I'm guessing well, you'll be was, fine. That was part of the reason. Yeah. And that, but that was part of the reason why when I left football, I, you know, I turned out a lot of broadcasting gigs, right, 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 left and stuff like that. I just didn't want to jump back into that identity. Right. I wanted to, you know, my family had had moved around the country, especially in our last couple of years. And, you know, we've been back and forth. So it was like, you know, to, to get home and have, have one spot, focus on the kids, focus on it, just being home and not being, you know, an, an athlete was, was super nice. And then now our routine is so much like if I were to ever go back to work, it was right. That's <laughs> it. She may not think that she's coming on my podcast next week and be like, can you put him back to work? I don't want him home anymore. <laughs> please, please. I'll do anything. Please. Oh, I dabbling enough. I got enough. I got enough goofy crap going on that, uh, that I stay busy between curling, between just we're building a house. Like, it's just, there's always, there's always something, the foundation. I always laugh. I tell people, I don't do anything. My wife's like, you're so <laughs> exactly. They're like, uh... for someone that doesn't do anything, you do quite, you do a lot. Um, tell me what uh... advice you have, like real advice, Jared, for somebody who wants to go out and be an entrepreneur. Like, what is the biggest thing that you can tell them? Jump. I mean, do you do your research, right? Like, do your research, know what you're getting into, but then you have to jump, right? And you got to be willing to do the work. And then it's that. That's. I mean, it's exactly what it is. If if you're going to do it yourself, if you are, unless you are just the investor, I mean, that, that's a whole other, right? That's a whole different side of things. But if you're going to be a true, a true entrepreneur, you got to jump and you got to go do it. You got to put the time and effort in because no one's going to look out for it like you are. And then understand the business. I think too many guys want to get into something that they don't understand and then it fails, right? Because they don't understand it. Someone's taking advantage of them or, or they don't, they just, they don't have the knowledge for it. And then Again, if you're not going to be the guy every single day, you better have a great guy who is the guy every single day. Uh, so that would be my biggest thing. But it, but it's fear. I think too many people get this idea and this concept. They want to do it, right? They want to do it. They have it all have it all mapped out. They want to do it, but they're afraid to jump. And if you're afraid of failure, you'll never succeed. And that's that's just that's the I truth. Think that's what we're going to name this episode. If you're afraid of failure, you'll never succeed by Jared <laughs> Allen. <laughs> 
So little, little wisdom, little nuggets of wisdom. Exactly. Every now go, and, then. Go, and drop the mic. <laughs> so I was looking at your daughters online and how much time you spend with them. I was watching story time. They are absolutely incredibly beautiful. Thanks to your wife. Oh, hundred percent. I, I, I pray. I pray every single day. They don't look like me. I'm just like, thank God, They're my wife so has strong beautiful. genes. She has the strongest genes. <laughs> That's amazing. What's the biggest lesson those two have taught you about you? It's constant humility. I think that's that's my constant lesson in life. I'm always getting dealt right. I, I, I this, it's actually I've had this conversation several times with friends. Mary, like when when I met my wife, right? There was a certain level of humility to realize, okay, it's no, I can't be selfish about me. Someone else depends on me, right? And, and vice versa for her too. So it's like now now there's two people that have to co coexist and and and, and rely on each other. But when I have my kids, I mean they. They sort of looked at me. I mean, they relied on me to survive, and that to me was just humbling. I, I again, I think in that moment, and if again for people that aren't religious, that they might maybe they experience this differently. But for me, I understood God's unwavering love for me at that moment because I met my first daughter, and there was just something about him, like I don't even know this person, and I would die for this human being. And and I've never, you know, nothing in my life. Obviously, my love with my wife, our relationship grew and built, and that is that is stronger than anything I've been saying for her. But to meet somebody in a minute and understand that there's nothing you wouldn't do for that person, um, it's saying and that, that was, it was just humbling because now I'm like, oh crap, this this person relies on me for food, water. I mean, and then, you know, as you know, growing up, you know, then you know, there's guidance. Now there's like, crap, I got to be a role model because eventually they're going to want to, you know, hopefully marry somebody a little cooler than their dad. But, <laughs> but no, they're going to marry uh, dad. It, and that's pretty darn yeah, cool. And it's, and it's, it's, so I think that's the lesson to learn. And, and uh, my wife told me before we even just talked about kids, she said, I'm destined to have girls. And I was like, I'm destined to have boys. You know what they say? Tell God your plans and hear him laugh. Uh, man, he, uh, he, he, payback, payback is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. That's, but it's, that's but it's phenomenal. Fun. I also took this mindset too. I remember, I remember we, uh, my wife gives me a hard time. We, we, we found out our second one was a girl. I, I thought for sure it was a boy. And, uh, we found the second girl. I was just kind of like, oh, it's like deflated for a minute. And, but I just made, I also told myself, I'm not going to raise them any different. I'm going to teach them toughness. I'm going to teach them compassion. I mean, if they want to, if they want to hunt, they want to play sports. Like I'm never going to tell them they can't do something or, or, or even treat them different. And I'm probably, honestly, I'm probably overly hard on it. Like, why are you crying? You know, it's a long way from your heart. But I think it, but for me, they also, they also teach me sensitivity, right? They teach you about, about, you know, understanding emotion. My wife tells me all the time. She's like, tone, yeah. like tone. I'm like, but I'm not Same. even yelling. I just, Same. My, she's like, my husband just runs like, around the house and says, tone. I talk loud. I talk loud. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, stop saying that. They have daughters, like knock it off. I do the same. So, yeah, it's a constant, it's a constant humbling uh, way, but, but it's great because it does, it makes you have to self-reflect on how you interact, right? It's like, you can't just take all the tough things you learned from your childhood and implement over here. You have to be fluid. So again, I would say, I would say humility. Awesome. So one of my team members brought in that you're a hall of fame finalist again this year. Yes, I, I was, I was, we'll see what happens the following year. I didn't, I didn't make it. That was deflating last year. The first year, we didn't have really real expectations. Mm -hmm. This year, I'll be honest, I kind of had some expectations just because, you know, they're like, oh, statistically, if you don't make, if you're a first ballot finalist, then you don't make it, you're usually in. So I'm like, ah, it's got to be in, right? Not that it, not, I really don't, I, I don't even pay attention to it because I'm like, it's, it's this most weird thing where you're being judged on things you've yeah. already done. And then people ask you like, whoa, what do you think about getting it all? I'm like, there's nothing I can do. I have, there's You're nothing like, it's I can name. do. You're like, it's a name. It's time. It's, it's, I'm like, so I'm like, and then, but it makes you feel like the kid that got, didn't get picked for basketball. I'm like, they celebrate you in one breath. It's like, yeah, Hall of Fame finalist. And it's like, you're not good enough. And you're like, oh. What's it, Jared, what's it going to mean to you when you get in? It'll be, it'll be cool. It'll be, uh. Again, I, I try to keep things in perspective, right? It'll be a moment that I celebrate. It'll be one of the crowning jewels of my of my career. Like, you know, it'll be one of the, you know, high points of my life in that moment. But at the end of the day, a gold, again, I, I, I try to constantly, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's really not. I try to keep things in perspective of a gold jacket at the end of the day doesn't, do, doesn't change my life one bit. You know, people ask me, well, how'd it feel if you didn't, when I didn't get in? I said, well, my wife still loves me. My kids still love me. The dog still craps in the yard. Chores still got to be done. Light bill still has to get paid. With or without a gold jacket, you know what? Uh, life goes on. 
it, but with that said, it'll be one a moment I treasure uh, forever if it happens, and it'll be it'll be such a it'll be a crown jewel. Uh, of an accomplishment. So uh, I try I try to keep it in perspective. But like I said, this year, I didn't even know I was a finalist until I think Coach Ramil told me I was a finalist. He'd call, he'd text me like, hey, I think, you know, we, we, there's a chance we go to the Hall of Fame together. And then, so I kind of, so then my hopes kind of got up and then I was like deflated for like a couple of days. I was kind of bummed. And then I actually felt bad about being bummed. I'm like, what are you, I'm like, this is, why am I even letting this bother me? But, you know, back to life is all. How do you want your legacy to be remembered? All of you, not just, not in uh, it all. I would honestly hope when, when I'm in the ground that football is probably the fifth or sixth thing mentioned. Honestly, I, I think, you know, I would, I would hope people say I was obviously, you know, great husband, great father, that I, that I tried to, to be a man of my word, live by what I talk about with, with, with faith and be compassionate and generous. That, that's, that's hopefully, that's hopefully how I'm viewed. Not everybody's going to view me that way. And I have, I'm wondering, I understand that too. When you have an opinion, it doesn't always, doesn't always you know, align for everybody. It doesn't so, always align. <laughs> it doesn't always align with everybody, but it is what, but it lies with what I want. So no, I, I think, I think that's what, and as I get older, I think I, I try to look through things through my, from a compassionate lens and, and understand that I'm fortunate and that my fortunes aren't everybody's fortunes. And that if I can do something to, to help others, I try to teach that my kids is, is you know, to, to try to put others first. And that's a constant battle, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I, I, would, I would hope that's, that's what it is. I hope it would be people would think about my faith, my family, and, and how I was in that, in, 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 in the generosity of the people that, that I love. And that, again... I hope football was be mentioned like, oh, he happened to be a really good football player. I hope that's kind of how the conversation goes. <laughs> the whole show has a premise of obstacles into opportunities. What's the biggest obstacle that you've overcome and been able to turn it into an opportunity? Oh, I, I mean, I think hands down, you talked about is, is when I got, you know, two DUIs and it was in five months. Right. And, you know, I, I, it, it had, and like I said, we had, had you know, got in trouble with mm -hmm. the stuff involving alcohol and stuff like that in college. But they didn't really become obstacles because they were all kind of just like, eh, you know, you, you face it, it's college, you're having fun. But I think um, the reality of, of in that moment of, of honestly having to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, is this who you are? If it is, that's a problem and that needs to be fixed. If it's not who you are, figure out who you are and start, and start being that person, right? Because if you say this and you do this, you're just an idiot. And and I think I think hypocrisy and complacency is two of the worst things in the world. I think mediocrity is the death of everything. And so that that's probably it. And then and so going through that journey, I didn't see it until I looked back through it. I mean, it sucked, right? It, it sucked. You, you're getting beat up in the media. You're getting you know you're getting scolded by people you love. You know you're doing so a lot of self reflection. You're kind of like okay, and then. I got a year and a half through it, and then I had to then I had to go back to court, right? Then I had to face the constant. Then you have to relive it. You're like, hold up, I'm doing all this great stuff. I'm already through this, right? And then I was in the middle of a contract dispute with the Chiefs, um, and that was getting thrown in my face. And and it was it was it was it was a tough tough couple of years, you know, getting through everything. And but I made a decision, like, hey, I'm going to take it on the chin. I put myself in this position. Uh, I'm going to learn from it. And, and to be honest, when I look back through it, if, and, and then, you know, again, I mean, I don't equate that, you know, oh, it worked out because I ended up getting, you know, the contract I got with Minnesota. But when I look back in my life at that, at that couple of years, right, you know, and, and being in the program, you can't, you know, I couldn't drink for two years. I couldn't, you know, couldn't do anything. And so many guys try to play the system, right? So many guys try to yeah. play it and they get, but, and I was just like, okay, if, so th if these are my consequences, these are the rules I screwed up. I'm going to live by them. And I did, you know, lived, I did everything the NFL asked me to do hands down and, and, and went through all the counseling, everything. But what I learned through that, when I look back was like, man, if, if I would have gotten that contract, when I was this immature punk in my life, again, money only makes you what you really are. So if you're a jerk, money just makes you a bigger jerk, right? If you're, money's never going to change you. It's just going to exacerbate what you're doing in your life. And, um, well, I guess it's, 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 just, yeah, it's, it's just not going to, you're not going to become a better person just because you have more money. And so well, I, it's, it's like that song. I think it's Garth Brooks. I think it's, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Yes. And it's just, it's just that it's like, can you imagine what would have happened and what that may have blown up to be? Yeah. Cause that, that spiral instead, continues, right? And you just have yeah, more people around exactly. you. And so the ability to, to, to get, when I got to Minnesota, right. And to look back and see the personal growth I had as a human being. Which then, I mean, football went further down the priority list, right? And I became a better football player for it, right? Understanding that, that you know, I didn't have to, just because I played on the edge, didn't mean I had to live on the edge. Because I didn't, I didn't know how to separate that as a young man. I didn't, you know, my life had always been football. And so I didn't know how to separate that, you know, on and off the field aspect. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I look at that, that segment of my life and um, I'll never forget the date, September 26th is you know, 2006 when I got, when I got to pop the second time and uh, I was like, okay, this is, this is where we grow up. And that's why I said, no, yeah. again, growing You're up, like, this is for real. Growing up is a constant <laughs> maturation process, but, but I look back again, I, I wouldn't, I would not be. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I, can, I can honestly tell you, I don't think I would have had, you know, when my, 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 was my, if my wife would have met me back then, she never would have married me for, for sure. So I, I just I just look at the, the such a growth process in my life. And then to go to Minnesota, I always laugh. I say, God always puts you where you, where you need to be, right? And then I went from, right. I went from a, to a locker room with a bunch of great, great dudes. I mean, I, had, I, had, I mean, remember, the Chiefs locker room was phenomenal at that point in my life. But then to go to the locker room with guys like Kevin William, married with kids, you know, the, the, you know, Chad, Ben Lieber, you know, all these guys that were family men and, and literally they had that balance, right? And then so that was, then that was a whole other part of my life I had to figure out like, ah, if, I, if I'm ever going to get married, do I get married? Where, where am I on that? Try to try to live up to this contract. But I had the tools, right? The tools that, that, that I was able to get. And it wasn't until I got through, you know, through it, I was able to look back and I was like, <laughs> Lord, pretty tricky. I, 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 I wish I could have done it a different route. But, you know, sometimes knuckleheads, knuckleheads have to get punched in the mouth to learn something. So... But I would say, yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest obstacle. And then, uh, but that and that gave me the tools to overcome all the obstacles in my life, right? Because you're going to have ups and downs, you're going to have ups and flows, you're going to make mistakes, and the ability to own it, and the ability to say sorry, the ability to just to be genuine. I think that's all you can really, you know, expect out of people. Well, I think you more than mastered that. This has been so so much fun, and. I really, truly hope that we get to do this again, you know, sometime next year and hear more about what's going on in your family. Where does everybody find you? Where do they follow you? Where do they know, find out more about the foundation? Tell me everything. Oh, uh, all of it, all of it. Homeschoolwarriors.com, like it's, it's a long acronym, J-H, Jared Al, J-A-H-4-W-W, I think that's what it is, but homeschoolwarriors.com, let's do that one. I think... Instagram uh, is at Jared Allen 69. We will link everything in the show notes so everybody can follow you. Not a, not 100% sure. <laughs> I think people know that I'm very analog to me on social media. It's, it's, it's a constant tutelage. I'm, I'm always having to like text Denise or ask my wife, Hey, how do you do this again? Right. Well, I'll send you. I'll send you a letter uh, in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Snail hey, mail still still works for me. I thought email, I'm still thinking email is like the coolest thing ever. You know, just, so yeah, I guess, you know, all the, all the verified social media sites, but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a less is more guy on there. I know I, I keep getting told, you know, like, you know, you should post more. You should do this. I'm like, I just don't, but that's the thing. I just genuinely, this is probably my own problem. I don't really care what other people are doing. Yeah. So I'm just like, why, I don't think why people would care, you know, if I had a sandwich for lunch, I think I'm like, oh, I ate turkey. Like. Oh, Jared, don't get me started. When people were posting at Starbucks their mocha, I was like, seriously, this is what it's come to? And that's, like, and that's really, I don't I, care. I, I honestly, I am so anti-social media that I actually feel like a hypocrite for being on social media. But I know, like, I see the good in it. I see the marketing ploys of it. I see the connections, the mass reach it has and for the foundation and everything that's good for it. I love it. And I think it's great for that. But for what it's done to, to the human being, to, to, right. to mankind, I just shake my head. I'm like, oh, but hey, you know what? Teach their own and everybody will age eventually. They don't want to want to see a selfie. So it is what it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jared, thank you so, so much for coming on Spin It With Sports. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to do it again soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Spin It. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be notified when a new episode is released. Also, head over to YouTube to check out all of the live videos on our new podcast channel, Spin It with Stephanie Malik. The best way to support the show is to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you want to hear more from me, hop over to Instagram and follow me at Stephanie Malik. That's Stephanie with a Y, S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E Malik, M-A-L-I-K, or visit my website at stephaniemalik.com.